Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. And we are planning the longest intro in the history of the Metacast. Are we done? Yes. Yes, we're done. <laughs> no, that's not true. Kazi, come Kazi, on. Yeah, so our stream has moved to Wednesday nights. We had we bounced around. You're all over the I, place. I know. Well, because I, I started this new gig that's now eating up a lot of my time, I couldn't do the Tuesday, Thursday thing, so I had this fantastic idea. Let's do it Sunday nights. And nobody wants to be on at Sunday night, no. including me. Like, I was yeah. dreading it. So we moved it to Wednesday nights. Our first one was last Wednesday, and it was fantastic. Oh, did it work out well? Uh, yeah, I'm super excited. So Was I on? I, I, did. I, I did. You were I there. forgot about it, but I came in a little bit later. You did, but that's okay. That's okay. You know the thing I don't like about this stream? I can't talk. Have I complained about <laughs> that? the best. I can't talk. It's the best. So for those of you that don't know, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, I host essentially agile office hours. The Josh, the Josh Anderson show. Yeah. Free agile coaching, free mentoring. And it's not the Josh Anderson show. There's, there's a dozen or so coaches in there that are answering questions and helping people out. But you're the guide. You're the primary. I'm the shepherd. That's All right, I'm just the shepherd. I'm just, shepherd. I'm just the shepherd. Oh, my God. That's it. So come hang out with us on Tuesday nights. The link is in the description for this episode. You'll find it. It's there. Come hang out with us. Come get the help you need, help others, whatever it might be. Other than that, uh, conference season is starting up. So over the next couple of Metacasts, we'll start talking about conference season. Uh, I'm finishing my product owner book. So in, in one of the Metacasts, maybe we can talk about product ownership and do a kickoff. Of that, Sounds good. maybe offer some free, like nice. like free Ooh, copies, free PDFs wow, or something. Look at this. So, uh, so I'm just teasing you. So it's a, like a marketing ploy, Metacaster. So I'm teasing you with coming attractions. But other than that, on to the episode. On to the episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. In a new location. We're in a new location. We're in beautiful Uptown, Raleigh, North Carolina, aren't we? It, Is it so, Uptown? So North equals Uptown? I think so. Okay. Well, uptown. Yeah. Well, uptown. Uptown. It sounds cool. Okay. Don't. Yeah, it sounds don't. Fun. Sorry. And we're, we're Josh's new digs. Yeah. Uh, we're in a nice conference. Fancy so this, conference room. This is a little bit nicer than my office. A little less cramped. Are it you, is. Are you feeling, I'm not. Are you feeling spread out? Yeah, I'm not stuffed in a corner with 85 Mr. Potatoes staring at me. Staring at yeah, yeah. You Creepily. can spread out. I know. I can lean back in a chair. You can lean back. I can put my feet up. Right. You can you know redistribute your weight, so to speak. What. <laughs> What does that mean, Bob? Just comfortably. Just make yourself comfortable. Oh, okay, okay. Sure. I I feel better now. I always care about you. All right, well, let's get to content since that's what people are here for. All right, cool. So we got a request via Twitter from, and I'm going to apologize right now for the pronunciation. But but this person is from Denmark. Yeah. How cool is that? Uh, We'll just... Shorten it to JetGad. We'll just do that. JetGad. JetGad. We'll yeah. We'll from, just go from with that. Denmark. Okay. The middle name in there, I'm I'm gonna destroy. So we'll just pretend it's not there. All right. Cool. We'll just say I sneezed and, and we I apologize. Didn't see it. Yeah. It's all Bob's fault. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. So that's why I didn't want to pronounce it and make him feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, could we get uh, to content, Josh? Yeah, sorry. 
Sorry, Bob. I mean, the comic relief stuff. I mean, the Metacasters don't necessarily want jokes or wordy replies. They want terse, pithy. I can do that. <laughs> that is my specialty. 140-plus episodes, learning to maximize the seven words I get in. On every deep breath. Yeah, I'm so good at that. Okay, uh, so she's asking about how to help an organization with a performance management system culture that encourages individual growth and development. So how do I, as an agile coach or a scrum master, help grow these teams when HR or whoever's people ops, whatever you want to call it, they are focused on individual metrics and performance. And this is something that I found that you have to figure out that balancing act. Because you do want to measure the teams as a whole. That's where success is. But also people have individual goals and achievements and things they're trying to do. They are humans. They are part of the Borg. Right. So they are people that have their own emotions. So how do you balance the two? Yeah, personally, I'll, I'll kick it off mm-hmm. this way. I, and I was talking, I was teaching a certified agile leadership class a couple of weeks ago. And it, this topic came up. Uh, of HR individual rewards and focus mm-hmm. and annual reviews and things like that versus teams and trying to make this shift from an individual focus to a team focus. And the way I answered it to them, it wasn't a you know, definitive answer, but I, I, like at several companies, I didn't see it as a problem. Mm-hmm. So it, it really wasn't, I mean, I could have made it a problem. I could have marched into HR and said, Throw away your individual reward system. And I, and I was a le- in a leadership role. I could have sort of stupidly done that. Mm-hmm. And, and now we need to ch- throw out everything and do kumbaya group based stuff, right? Or team based stuff. Uh, and I didn't see the, th- the things being sort of mutually exclusive. It, it was to me, it's a shift. Mm-hmm. So what I've done as a leader is I've shifted individual-based convers. Let's call them conversations. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's there's forms, and there's there. I know that there's monetary sort of rewards and things like that. Uh, so there's this system of individual stuff. But as as managers, we have something. There was an old term called manager's discretion, mm-hmm. where yeah. managers could use their discretion to apply common sense or whatever to a situation. Mm-hmm. So to me, I coach my managers and, and our leadership team to use the individual system, but then shift the conversations to be more team-based. So let's say in a traditional way, if the traditional conversations were 80% individual and 20% team or something like that, mm-hmm. um, that was a traditional waterfall or a traditional HR system. So you would fill in the forms of how great you were, Josh, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, Josh, you're the best thing since sliced bread. You better make You've that a long form. Right. I need to give you billions of dollars. I'll pay for everything <laughs> you can. Right. And I'll give you liquor because I want you to be happy. I want yeah, to keep you sold. happy. And it's, and the world revolves around you. This is fantastic. Right. It yeah. all revolves around you, Josh. So I would type in the forms. And then when I would do the sit down, I, the conversations would be more individual based conversations, mm-hmm. like individual improvement, individual excellence, individual, you know, how you strengths or weaknesses. They would be individual. Um, so it'd be 80 20 individual. Mm-hmm. And when we went agile, we sort of just pivoted and we said, now it's going to be 80 20 or something like that, team based. Right. And the conversations are going to be not about you. I mean, it's going to shift from being all about Josh 
to how is Josh behaving and contributing in a team setting? How are you making your team better? How are, now I wouldn't, the 20% is about you Mm -hmm. because it's not all team. And I want to communicate that you count, right? You as an individual. So I want to honor the individual. And I really mean that, but I wanted to honor the team a little bit more, if you will, in, in percentage content, mm-hmm. right? In conversations, in examples. Like if I gave you an example of where you were excellent in the old world, I would talk about how you, you, you write all the, you wrote all this code, Josh. It didn't make you it. You were the hero. It right? didn't make it to production, <laughs> but, right, yeah. but you wrote, you know, shitloads of code. You're right. great to, it would be, you wrote lots of code. And then, but what really delighted me was how it, how you work with the team to make it surface into production. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that was money in the bank, Josh. That's right. exactly what I was looking for. So I don't, I, you know, I'm going to wait for you to hammer me, but I don't know if I see it as like choice A, choice B. To me, it's, we can blend. Now, a lot of organizations really get stuck. They're so comfortable with the individual. Yeah. Uh, maybe the leaders are, they just struggle with that pivot, but I've actually seen that. I've been a part of organizations where we've made that pivot pretty successfully. Yeah. What do you th- react so, to that? Unfortunately, I'm going to align pretty closely with you, and I've done the same. And even in organizations where bonuses and things were paid out at an individual level, I decided to pay them as a team. Yep. So we – we decided how that team did. We decided together. The team even decided with me how that team did. And we paid that bonus evenly across the board. Now, the one thing that I think you said it really well is you have to honor the individual because they are people and they are different. They have different emotions and experiences. And it's interesting how this always becomes a struggle with the positive things of HR, of pay and bonus and things like that. There are people like, oh, you can't do that. It's not about the individual. But yet when there's an individual that's not doing well, everybody's quick to point to that person and not say, oh, it's us. Oh, actually reduce our bonuses or reduce our pay because a member of our team isn't performing well. When a member of the team is performing well, everybody's willing to say, yeah, we did great. It wasn't that that person raised us up or anything like that. It was we did well. So that opposite seldom happens, but people are quickly and willing to say, okay, well, yeah, we just need to solve that problem over there. That's a part of this team that's holding us back. Not we own getting that, getting this whole team better. So let's talk, let's tease it apart and say the conversations, let's call it performance management, Mm -hmm. the, the review process, whether it's annual, semi-annually or whatever, there's sort of the words Mm -hmm. and the evaluation and the conversation. So let's tease that apart from the money for just, I know, I know they're related, but so the conversations, I think you agreed with that pivot. We can Mm -hmm. make a conversational pivot. Yeah, I, to to me, there's there's a there's a conversational pivot that the most important thing is that the team wins. That's important, right? But what cannot happen is it's still individuals working together. There's still individuals doing work. There is a moment in time where we aren't connected. We aren't plugged into each other, right? We right. don't all type in unison. Everybody has their own patterns and the way they work. I think of it as no different. Back to sports, right? So we would play a game on Saturday night. We would come in and we w- 
we would talk about how things went as a team. Then we would break apart and our coaches would evaluate play by play individually how we did. So you have these, I was, as you were talking, I mean, I, I don't think it's, you neutralize the individual. So we're having team conversations, but I might ask you, Josh, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. What role do you want? Right. How do you want to develop? So that's a you conversation. And I'm an, I think that's fair. I'm unapologetic. I shouldn't stop having that. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, it's like, but then it's also how do you fit in the team and, and how, let's say you're going to be a scrum master. I might talk about, you know, I want to develop, Bob, I'm a, I'm a team lead and I want to try out Scrum Mastery. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so what teams? We would transition it from a team. Why are you doing that? Uh, what have you done in your current team that sort of makes it, makes you feel like you've been, you know, have you been doing pre-work mm-hmm. in your current team? Have you been taking things off? So I'm blending the you plus the team. But it's, yeah. but, but really, I don't think I talked to you about you know, you're per, I want to, I want to actually personalize it. I want to, I want to get to know where you want to go. Absolutely. And it's not, and I want to, that's not about the team. That's about Josh Anderson. Right? Well, so there's a couple things I want to hit on there. I just started one-on-ones with this new team that I'm working with. The first question I ask is where do they want to go? Where is there? What is your there? Everybody's different. Yep. Right? There are people that have a five-year plan of, Josh, I want your job, or I want to be a CTO in X number of years. Exactly. Then there are people that, I just want to write JavaScript for the rest of my life. I love it to death. Just let me do that. Yep. Don't force me into becoming an architect or a manager or whatever. Like, I'm happy doing this. So there's this broad spectrum. So as a leader, you have to understand where people want to go because – if people are in a position and they don't feel like the company's helping them get to there, yep. wherever there is for them, they're going to go find something that does. So, and I don't think that I bring up team. That's all. Yeah, that's right. all. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. So that eighty twenty mix I talked about isn't like in each meeting. I think there would be a you know, like you said, the one on one. If I entered an organization, I would have a twenty percent conversation for a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Right? It would be like let's get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go? Like you said, right? But a part of the conversation is that individual, yes, they need to do their job well, but how are they helping the team succeed? How are they helping the team grow? Are they making others better? Right. Right. You go back to sports, you talk about the best players are the ones that make everybody else better. That's kind of hard to measure, manage, or understand, but you can kind of see it and feel it and understand it. And that's, that's that conversation. To me, that's that accelerant. Exactly. That I'm looking for. I can I can get a lot of people to come in and write code with their heads down, right, and not actually talk to each other. But I need people that can be collaborative problem solvers, right, and that's challenging. Now let's let's start bringing money back in. I wanted to because mm-hmm. you were talking about that. I want to interleave it again. To me, I think of two parts of the money. I think of core salary, mm-hmm. and then I think of discretionary stuff mm-hmm. like bonus. So to me, core salary is an individual discussion. Yeah. I don't, I, I typically, and in fact, I would need HR if we're going to like start being transparent with salaries and things like that and team. Oh, the mm-hmm. team will decide who gets what increases. I, then you'd have, it, it sort of opens up a can yeah. of worms. So to me, I would, I would, I've typically kept, you know, again, it's the review conversations, but I'm going to reward folks individually mm-hmm. on core salary. I'm going to keep that non-transparent. It's going to be an individual thing. I might talk about ranges yeah. with the team. I try to be as fair. I talk about my, my, you know, my drivers, like what is our rationale for if we had like a, 
a 5% increase pool, you know, what, what would be a driver for 3%, 5% and 7%? Mm -hmm. I would be transparent with what am I trying to do, but not who, who I'm doing with it to, yeah. right? Or sharing it with. But that now the discretionary stuff, I've done a lot of what you've, it sounds like you've done. It's like let the team decide on their bonus. Mm -hmm. uh, if I've had any, let the team decide how they're going to celebrate a release. Let the team, if I have discretionary funds for decorating their, the office area. Mm -hmm. I mean, I typically like, you know, the discretionary stuff put in the team's hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the salary stuff, not so much. Direct salary. That's sort of my domain. What, react to that. What do you think? I agree. And I'm a fan of clearly well-defined bands that everybody can see. The biggest thing for me has been fair. Do we pay fair? Do we honor those that have been here? There have been people that I've wanted to hire that were fantastic that would have blown the bands out of the water. And I said, I can't in my mind bring you in here because it's not fair to everyone else that has what I believe to be the same experience, the same skill level and pay you $30,000 more. Right. I'm not going to do that because that's not fair to them. I, I think you're overpaid. Good for you. Right. I'm not going to try and talk you down to it. Like I understand that You've convinced people that you're worth it. Cool. Would you share that with the teams and say, yes, I, I passed I, on Bob I did. Yeah. because not, not the exact salary level. Yeah, I did. But this is, I, I passed on a, you know, an ethic. It was a fairness decision. That yeah. I because made. they were confused. Like, why, why did you not hire that? What happened? Right. Like, did he not like us? What was the, and I said, we just, salary was too far apart. And yep. I felt, like a jerk if I would have brought this person in at that pay level knowing how much more it was than everybody else. Well, I've set, and that's you set up fair. this inequity, yeah. right? Yeah. So so I think that's another way of giving people insights into what are your, you know, what are your sort of your driving forces, yeah. right? Your decision making. They may not know, but they know that you're fair. Mm -hmm. They know that you're holding to the bands. They know that you're not yes, you want to compete in the market, but you're but external market competition is not at the you know, sort of stepping over internal market dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. Salary dynamics. Yeah, because there's always an outlier, right? right? There's always that and that and understanding that. And what I try and do is I try and be fair in the market because otherwise we're not going to be able to retain right. people. Right. right. They're going to quickly find out, oh, I can get I, I can easily walk out and get paid X percent more because we're underpaying. Right. So that, that you, like, if you think you can hide that, you're just not paying attention to anything. So now I'm going to challenge you a little bit. How do you handle, and I think we've talked about superstars in mm -hmm. the past in a minute. Maybe I, it almost in, in my memory, I think we may have talked, but you have, uh, I don't know, a superstar, a Dion, historically a Dion Sanders, mm -hmm. uh, a superstar on your team, a superstar individual. Uh, so it, it's not, they're going to get, if our range is 3%, 5%, 7% a year, they're historically going to always accelerate to seven or even eight or nine. Mm -hmm. right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to reward them. Because just individual performance in a team. So they're performing in a team, but they're head and shoulders above other team members. How do you, how do you handle those conversations, both with the individual, but also with the team? How do you handle that? Uh, so there's two things. Number one, um, the approach I take is you just have to feed the monster, right? Like that, typically what happens is that person can just keep taking things on and new challenges and it's like, okay, next. 
what's next, what's next. And you just keep feeding them and enabling that growth. And that growth helps keep them excited. And so it's not from a, so from by a reading pay, that it's not about money. Well, so no, one thing there, it always comes back to money, but okay. you, but you just have to feed the beast, okay. right? Like that's step number one. Just don't, don't let that, that, that rock star get bored, get bored. Okay. Cause then they'll go find something else. Right. I, so I, yeah. that's step number one. Yep. Um, step number two is everyone knows it. Right? Yeah. Like if you really have someone like that, if you yeah. have LeBron or Dion or yeah, Michael exactly. Jordan or whoever it is, everyone exactly. knows it and everyone understands the benefit they provide to everyone else. I would. So oftentimes that. what I would do is there's a new role, there's a new position that is super elite. Okay. That, and it's got a different band. And I bet no one would argue with that because everybody, everybody can look at LeBron and say, yeah, he's the best player in the world. Right. Right. And if you really have a person like that, no one's really going to argue, right? Because that is reality. And they, and they understand how they make their job easier, better, more challenging, whatever it might be. So, so it's sort of matter of fact, transparency, honesty, not in an overbearing way, right? But in a, and in sort of a just, you know, a matter of fact way. Yeah. What about, um, what about the conversations with the superstar related to the team? Do you challenge them to raise the team? To me, the, you're not a superstar if you don't. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, be. Th- that that's the that's like step number one. For so a you superstar. said something really compelling there, and I right. So so in an agile, so in a non agile context, you're a superstar individual. In an agile in a team context, sport, you, which I consider software engineering, indi- and it's individual. Mm-hmm. We honor the individual. We re- and you're the superstar, so we super mm-hmm. honor you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. It's all about how you're raising the bar for the team. Right. Would you buy that? Yeah. To me, you're not a superstar if you don't. Right. You, you are just like pull someone aside. An example yeah. would be pull, you know, are you pairing with someone? Mm-hmm. Pull them aside without being told, without being asked. You pull someone aside and they're really struggling. So you show patience and perseverance mm-hmm. and you just sit down and you really are helping them raise the bar and understand yeah. like technical <clears throat> practices, et cetera. Yeah. Right. And, it, and you do that. Sort of seamlessly. Yeah, it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. That's part of your job. It's, yep. you know, no fanfare, no rose petals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Did we address? So uh, there's one part I want to dig into and that, and that is where I hear a lot of agile coach angst is around bonuses and how that often is individualized. And you and I both kind of glossed over of, oh, we just do it ourselves. We just, as leaders, decide we're going to pay everybody across the board. If you're an agile coach or a scrum master, which is where the question is coming from, you might not have the capability to just do that broad brushstroke of we're paying everybody the same from bonus side. Okay. So what I think an agile coach could do to help change things is what I've always tried to do is make those official HR, end of year, end of quarter, end of whatever – Basically a trivial exercise because you're driving consistent communication year long across the managers and everything. Yeah. So the people that are responsible for having those discussions and supporting the growth within those individuals as an agile coach, don't let that happen once a year. Coach them to be agile with their management processes, not just in their software engineering. So processes I would, I would because buy. because there's a lot of people that just avoid that because those those conversations are hard 
to do well. So if I said have continuous, so in the places where we've done what I said, mm-hmm. right? It's individual. We've made that pivot. Uh, we sort of generalize bonuses, the discretionary stuff, etc. Behind the scenes and handled superstars, mm-hmm. everything we've done. Behind the scenes, I was coaching the managers to really actively do one-on-one coaching of, pe- of their team members mm-hmm. to help them move from individual thinking to team thinking, to help them start shifting, mm-hmm. et cetera, uh, to talk about team-based performance, to have all of these, to give feedback all the time, to mm-hmm. make it a non-event. These are, n- these are almost like self-evident events, right? right? Is that what you're saying is sort of actively do that? Yes. And I don't think enough people do that well enough. So I, I think that's you. where a lot of the angst from agile coaches and scrum masters come from is they see these surprises, which is common to, Hey, we just released version 2.0 that we've spent three years building and nobody wants those features. Right. The same thing happens in HR People don't get the feedback as often as they should. So that end-of-year event happens, and there's a lot of emotion because it affects money and egos and things like that. So it becomes a crash-up derby all at once instead of a couple of little fender benders along the way that as an agile coach, I think you can step in and do some coaching with the managers and ensure that they're doing that piece of the job. Now, that job is the harder part, yeah. right? Actively addressing the problems, especially for a ton of the managers that I see where they aren't coached or mentored well. So they're thrown into this new role. What's more, cha- I, I mean, I want to, I agree with yeah. you. I, I, I want to put up, I think it's more challenging to lead or manage in agile context. One, yeah. one area, I'm, I'm going to say this badly, but I think we could be lazy as leaders when we when we have individual performance stuff. I could basically feed someone's ego, mm-hmm. I, right? So I, I could be. I, I, if I'm talking about the team, then it requires maturity and subtlety because I'm. It's how you're playing against the team. But if I'm just reviewing Josh, mm-hmm. I can blow smoke at your patoot, et cetera. And if you don't even know, I'm like, Josh, 3%, that's the best raise, et cetera. So I can sort of, if I'm dealing with silos, I I could get away with bad behavior. I could not give you feedback until the end of the year. And it's like, well, gosh, I did great, right? He, you know, so I could sort of not be challenging, but in this agile context where we have transparency, where there's execution happening on a two week basis or whatever it is on a sprintly basis, uh, where there's, it's not just the individual, but the team and the dynamic there. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we can't be as lackadaisical about no. it. I think we have to be sharper. I mean, it's just like uh, there's places where that transparent. So it goes back to transparency. There's no hiding. Yeah, for, the, have, for the leaders as yeah, well. If I think, you have a twelve month cycle, maybe you slack off the first ten months, and then you have this jam session the last two months and story and try and get everything done. Yeah. Whereas that transparency and that cadence forces you to address those issues if you're doing it well. If not, then you end up recreating the same problems. I mean, I remember at EMC, we we used to have a a habit. We would do these uh, at the, during uh, annual reviews, we would have uh, all the managers would do a rack and stank. I forget what the name of it. There's a negative name for it, but mm-hmm. you're trying to identify the dead wood. You're trying to identify the bottom 20% yeah. for, for layoffs and stuff. And you'd have to get up there and present your team and compete and stuff like that. And um, 
and, and some of the leaders would like do peanut butter spreading. There was a term that we used where if you got a 3% raise, instead of actually having the conversation, someone would say, well, if it was, let's say it's 5%, I would have what, 4.5, 5, and 5.5. 5. Mm-hmm. So, so literally, I, there is no distinction. Right. I'm, I'm rewarding everyone at the same level. Yeah. But I'm sort of hiding that. I'm not really telling people that. But I don't want to have the hard conversation. That's really what I'm alluding to. I think that bad behavior, uh, and it was hard to do in Waterfall. It wasn't that easy, but people did it. Mm-hmm. I think in Agile, we have to, like, we have to talk about the high performance. We have to challenge the lower performers. Yeah. We have to talk about team. If you're not functioning in a team, no matter how good you are, we have to coach you up to that level, yeah. right? Yeah. So the last thing I want to hit on as a part of this is, and we've mentioned this a couple times in previous episodes, but a scrum master or agile coach's role in individual performance. As an agile coach, if I see a member of a team struggling, what do I do? Do I have a sit down with that discussion? But that's an individual. That's not the team. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, there's, there's a, there was, and Ryan Ripley, our, mm-hmm. our, he did this at one point, I think a few months ago, he did a survey as to whether a scrum master could kick someone off the team. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but he did a survey, I forget where it landed, and uh, quite a few people sort of uh, contributed to it. And uh, I think it was a reaction to someone, to another person, a coach, a scrum.org trainer coach in, in Europe. Mm-hmm had clearly come out and said, yes, Scrum Masters should vote someone off. I landed on the other side where it, the the role is not a people, the, the, a typical Scrum Master or even a coach, from my point of view, is not, they even if they're internal, they may not have the HR responsibilities and training to actually put someone on a performance improvement plan. They're not officially there to give someone official performance feedback. Mm-hmm. They're not trained for it. That's, and this is, it's, it's, it's not common that they right. are. So I, I think there's a distinction between giving them informal feedback. Yes. Yeah. Pulling them aside with coffee, uh, pulling them aside. Josh, I can give you, can I just as a colleague to colleague? Yeah. Can I give feedback? Yes. Now I think the, the scrum master has a responsibility if it's a team member to step in and try to do some of that. Mm-hmm. The coach, depending on their relationship with the team, may or may not have that same responsibility to do that. Right. But I think it's a danger Will Robinson thing of, I, I don't know if you're coaching individual performance. The, my party line is, as a coach or a scrum master, when you start doing that, you want to reach out to the functional manager or leader yeah. and and give them a heads up and start partnering with them. And I, I literally mean partnering yeah. with them, right? You're the eyes you're the eyes and ears on the ground with the, the person, and then give them a heads up so that you can almost be co-coaching. Mm-hmm. So, so the scrum master could be doing the team-based side, but behind the scenes, the, ma- the, the manager or leader or director is, is having some hard one-on-one conversations yeah. with that person. And those two are meeting in the middle, meaning the scrum master coach and the functional manager have some informal meetings talking about how are we doing. Yeah. But, so it's a little bit of a dance but it's again hr goes to leadership but there's it almost seems like there's two schools of thought out there yeah. there's the the school of thought that says those folks do it 
and they own it and they, and they can vote someone off the island. And then there's the more traditional. I because I'm an old dinosaur, I lean towards the traditional side. Yeah. So I have seen it worked well in a true partnership mode where there is something and usually what happens is the functional manager or the scrum master sees something and they go talk to the other person. It's like, hey, I saw this in a stand up or I yeah. saw this in a refinement or planning session. Are you are you working on it or not? And that person might be, oh, crap. No, I'm not. Okay, well, let's build a plan of how we're going to attack right. that. And there's times where the scrum master says, okay, I'm just going to go have a coffee with them and talk and ask exactly. some questions and get some ideas. right? Exactly. And then maybe it's nothing. You don't worry about it. Or there's like, yeah, there's this thing and I'm I'm already working in one-on-ones with it. Can you help me out? Can you get little nudges along the way? So I think there has to be a partnership for real success of team and individuals. So if we go back to the source of this question and individuals from an HR perspective and the culture that that's there, but then the conflict that may be created as a part of that of you as an agile coaster scrum master being team, 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 you have to understand the individuals matter, but their responsibility is to ensure that the team is as high functioning as possible. Exactly. And that's where you can partner as an agile coach or scrum master with that functional manager to ensure that both are healthy because they can't, they, 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 they coexist. They're dependent on each other. So the, so the, and, and I'll, before we post this, send me a reminder and I'll send you a link to a blog post mm-hmm. that talked about this. But I remember the guy in Europe and his statement was, and he was pretty strong. This is why I actually, I, I wrote something to, mm-hmm. to, I wrote this blog post sort of to counter him. Uh, and, and he, and we did exchange emails. He was like, uh, vote them off the island and then, and then give the manager a heads up. Wow. Right. And I really reacted bad. So you have, you have a problem. You are fully empowered to decide from a team perspective. And he, he even used the word impediment. It's, it's a, it's an impediment in Mm. your team. Resolve the impediment. And I was like, people are not impediments. I mean, they are, but they, you don't handle them, you know, right. You don't handle them by kicking them. It it needs to be much more nuanced than that Mm -hmm. from a legal perspective, from an HR. It's not just HR from a legal company. Countries have different rules for handling people. There's training. There's, there's a sort of a correctness aspect. And, and he was like, Oh, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. It was like, Oh, just, just kick them off your team. Uh, you know, they can sort of sit at their desk and figure out where they go next and then, and then send an email to the manager or something like that. And, and I, I was find like, no. that that mindset comes from poor people management. So functional managers aren't doing, or that agile coach slash scrum master isn't partnering with a functional manager like they should. So they try to fill in the gap or they're marginalizing. They don't really understand that they're naive and they don't yeah. understand. I mean, they, it's really not the company could be in litigation because of that. So, and it could be a combination of what, mm-hmm. what we just said. Yeah. Do you think we've covered this topic? I hope so. so I, Jan, I always let us you, know. You're my, you're my, I feel like weather. we did. Cause I was able to circle us around to a couple different things. Cause we started the conversation with, from a leader. Yeah. And a lot of our listeners are scrum masters that maybe don't have the opportunity to just say, we're changing the way we do our compensation, right? You and I have been in roles where we can do that. We've done that. Not everybody has that ability to just say, we're paying bonuses like this now. 
But yeah, but real quickly, let's wrap. I want to. You just inspired me, though. I think coaches and scrum masters, though, should apply the eighty twenty rule just the way we talked. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them apply the eighty, like the team role, and they forget the individual. Yeah, right. And, and maybe that's a maturity thing. So, and and remember, we talked about the twenty percent could be an entire you meeting mm-hmm. as well, finding out. So, I, I really think all of us need to make that pivot from 2080 to 8020 okay. but then honor both sides of it right mm-hmm. and and not go so team i think i think it can be an anti pattern yeah. where je- that the gentleman that i was talking about in europe it was like all team it's like no you don't understand the individuals matter we, you know even if they're an ogre even if mm-hmm. they're an obnoxious asshole we still you, that's we have to honor the individual to right. some degree both the high performing individual and the low performing individual yep right and not and and be patient i mean there's other action you know the empathy is part of this patience is part of this right mm-hmm. putting ourselves in their sh- in their shoes etc yep i agree cool what should we do, Bob? Should we stick a fork in it? Let's stick a fork in it, okay, all right? cool. Sounds good. So from beautiful uptown Raleigh, oh, North so Carolina, exciting. I'm Bob Gale. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.